Coming up this week, off-screen. Director Gary Marshall celebrates Mother's Day. Melissa McCarthy is the boss. Michael Moore decides where to invade next. Jennifer Garner experiences miracles from heaven. Ben Kingsley and Patricia Clarkson are learning to drive. And Sicily has a fire at sea. All those to come more off-screen. This is... This is Offscreen. Offscreen. The latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Conner. Case Allen. So, are you ready to round up the cinematic offerings for the week then, Mr. Allen? I think Allen? I'm just about ready, yeah. Well, let's, okay. before we do that, let's, let's talk about some things going on in the world of the film, as it were. Mm. Uh, because, okay, I discovered a film this week, it's in development, and uh, I'm, I'm amazed by this, because it sounds almost exactly like a fictional film from Entourage. Did you ever watch Entourage? <laughs> Uh, I've watched a little the the few scenes I can sort of stomach. Well, in yeah. the fifth or sixth series of Entourage, um, there is a a fictional film starring Jason Patrick called Smoke Jumpers, in which the uh, the central character of Entourage, Vincent Chase, yeah. loosely based on Mark Wahlberg, plays the second lead. This film, oh, incidentally, in the film, it is it is directed by a guy a guy named Werner something or other, played Herzog. by played by Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> oh, amazing! Who's, who's meant to be Werner Herzog? Yeah. And it's brilliant. It's meant to be Vernon Hunter. And it turns out there's a real-life equivalent now, because there is a film coming out called Granite Mountain, directed by Joe Kaczynski, who brought us Ooh, yes, from, yeah, Tron Legacy, Legacy yeah. and Oblivion. And he, he's, he's doing this. This is going Ooh. to be a true story of um, the Granite Mountain hotshots, who were an elite unit of the Prescott Fire Department, who were uh, trapped by a wildfire. And, yes. I know the cast as well. Dude, the cast is amazing, the cast isn't is it? great. So, even even your, your favourite... Favorite actor, my favorite actor, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Miles Teller is in there because, yeah. yeah, in Hollywood you just fail upwards. But um, <laughs> that's how it works. But there's also Jeff Bridges. There's also Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Uh, there's also Josh Brolin yeah, as well, is, yeah. and Taylor Kitsch. Now, I'm starting to come around on Taylor Kitsch after having seen that awful season of True Detective, in which actually he was one of the it's better pretty parts. Good. And yeah. there was a HBO special called The Normal Heart that he's. I've it's good, yeah, that. yeah, it's good. Man. But the the reason I discovered this was because uh, Jennifer Connelly signed up to it now as well, mm. and she's going to be playing the wife of the leader of the Granite Mountain Hotshots. Who, who is who is the leader? Not, this is the part I couldn't figure out who's playing the leader. I don't know. Is it Josh Brolin? Because I could For see some that. Reason, I would just assume Josh Brolin. I would assume oh, Josh yeah. Brolin. He's a leader type, isn't he? He is. Yeah. You just know that Jeff Bridges is going to be, you know, the, the commander in chief down in the cabin. Yeah, you know that, oh, totally. That, 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 that's clearly his role. Yeah, but yeah. So Joseph Krasinski, who who did Tron Legacy and Oblivion, is doing this. I it's really amazing. enjoyed. I really enjoyed Oblivion. I really liked Oblivion. Yeah. It's a film. I, I I think I've seen it a couple of times. I enjoy it every time I see it. Just but, the uh, the visuals of it were just great. But now we get to imagine what would happen if Werner Herzog directed this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that entourage. Um, in the meanwhile, let's talk about um, <laughs> the weirdest casting news you've ever heard. Weirdest slash best. No, 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 hang on. No, we'll get to that. We'll get to that one. I want to go with the really, really awful one first. Oh, right. you have you have my interest, sir. Sir Anthony Hopkins. You you know that this. is weird. It's, but it's, it's weird <laughs> and awful, this. isn't it? Yeah. So Sir Anthony Hopkins has joined the cast of Transformers The Last Night, which is the fifth yeah. in the Transformers series. Why, God, why? Um, money, 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 money. Money. 
in here. Yeah, yeah exactly. That. <laughs> he's, he's not doing it for critical acclaim, is no, he? He's no, just, I don't think uh, he is. I don't think the Oscar-winning star of The Silence of the Lambs is signing <laughs> onto a Transformers movie for the artistic uh, nadir of it. No, he, he just wants another house. He does. Yeah. Let's let's talk then about the casting news that's gotten you so excited because you rocked up today all cheery about it. So let's I'm talk still about cheery it. about it, and I heard it about four days ago. I know. So there is a little sequel coming out in about ooh, 20 months, 20, 21, 22 months' time. Something like that. Something like oh, that. Man. Early 2018, I believe. And that mm. sequel is, of course... Pacific Rim, yo! Yeah. And it now has a lead actor. It is going to be Mr. John Boyega of The Force Awakens, Finn himself. And who is Finn himself going to be playing? The son of <laughs> Idris Elba, Stacker Pentecost's son. I want I hope him to he's... have an equally crazy name. I, w- I want it to be like named after... like Racker U- Pentecost. Racker. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say like named after like a US city or a state. I just want it to be Stacker Jr. Stacker Jr. I hope his name's Stacker Pentecost Jr. Because, yes. Uh, uh, so, Stephen Aston Knight, who did uh, the first season of Daredevil, he's yep, taken over as director. Guillermo del Toro is still producing, I believe. Yeah, he's he, very excited He just uh, he, he sent a tweet out uh, yesterday just being like, I'm so happy that this news is out of the bag. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. It's really, really exciting because he could, well, John Boyega could be one of the biggest movie stars going. I'm really excited for him. Mm. But uh, so let's talk then. First film of the week. Let's, let's talk about the boss, which is the latest, uh, t- latest Melissa McCarthy vehicle, and reunites her with the director of Tammy, who is of course also her husband, mm. uh, Ben Falcone. And you believe it or not, most of you listening to this have seen Ben Falcone in films with Melissa McCarthy because yes. he always has this little cameo. In he does. Them. He's in uh, Bridesmaids. He's he the air marshal. Air marshal with a big sandwich. Yeah, with yeah. a big sandwich at the very end of the film, which <laughs> most of us would like to forget because that mm. character was just brilliantly gross and I loved her for <laughs> it. A big fan of Melissa McCarthy. And she's now teamed up with husband slash director Ben Falcone to star in this, in which she plays Michelle Darnell. The pinnacle of the 1%. She is a self-made, she's an orphan turned self-made millionaire ass, who does the sort of Donald Trump-style inspirational seminar kind of of a system, Mm. where she sits on a stage, you know, with a garish light show and rides down on a golden eagle and things like that, tells everyone how they can be rich, but in reality is just pocketing the ticket price. (laughs) And she is indicted for insider trading, against her knowledge, Sort of against it. It's like the inverse of Get Hard, where you wish this had happened to Will Will Ferrell. Um, She gets out of prison six months later. They're the fanciest white-collar resort prison you've ever seen. She gets out of prison, and she found that she's completely penniless. Her homes have been repossessed. She has no money to speak of. And she's forced to move in with her her put-upon former assistant, who's played by uh, Kristen Bell, who lives in a little apartment with a single mom with a sort of precocious sort of ten-year-old daughter. And Michelle starts to basically wallow in self-pity until she realises there is a way back to the top. And what she's going to do is use Claire, her former assistant, Mm. Brownie recipe, and the army of Girl Scouts of the troop to which Kristen Bell's daughter belongs, to basically sell these brownies and create a new empire all of her own. We have a clip of Melissa McCarthy's uh, Michelle Darnell pitching this idea to a room full of Girl Scouts and Kristen Schaal because yes. All right, what's with all the long faces? Did somebody die? <laughs> yeah, oh, spaghetti died last night. Spaghetti. The ca- oh, can I be honest? That cat probably killed himself because his name was Spaghetti, right? Hi-oh. Michelle. Oh. Really sorry about your loss. As you already know, my name is Michelle Darnell, and this is my partner. And by partner, I don't mean like girl on girl kind of stuff. Whoa. What's going on girl stuff? 
Uh, well, great question. I love an inquisitive mind. Girl on girl stuff is really just referring to something you're probably gonna dabble with in college, but not stick with, not, you know? Don't tell her. Unless that. you're Hannah. Hannah, you're gonna stick with it. You get the general just the humour in this. Yeah. The, the entire shtick seems to basically revolve around uh, Melissa McCarthy doesn't realise that the things she's saying are, are inappropriate. And, and and from that... So, know, yeah, the, the Donald Trump. The Donald Trump. Donald Trump yeah. And there is, a, there is more than a little bit of that in there. It doesn't go into the realms of uh, of really sending up the 1% to the, to the degree that you'd like. Mm. It doesn't properly... Because obviously this was made a certain while ago, so we didn't have the whole Donald Trump thing then. I feel like if this film had been in production a few months later, yeah. it would have taken on a slightly darker and more satirical tone. I mean, if there's anything kind of positive to come out of what is going on right now in the States, it's going to be the films that are going to be made... We're going to get some great political comedies in the yeah, years to come. Some great but in the meanwhile, this is not really sort of a, uh, this is so much about that. This mm. is really about uh, well, I mean, you've got two films, two opposing films, in fact. So you've got the one film that is about Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Bell and this unlikely friendship and you know winging your way back to the top, etc. And then and, and that's really funny. That is really really. I can funny. imagine they get on really well. Really good. Chemistry. They do. There's yeah. obviously some improv in there. There's a lot. There's a lot of hilarious banter to it. And it's in that that you find the film's best moments. Mm. And you find moments in which, uh, for instance, Melissa McCarthy just enters a room looking disheveled saying, I discovered these things last night called Doritos, and they're really nice. And, and you know, yeah. the so-called ordinary things that, of course, blow her oh, mind. Strange to her, yeah. yeah strange and, and, and amazing. Those are great moments, yeah. and I love the film for them, and there's enough of them to basically sustain the film through. On the other hand, you do have this really cartoony subplot involving, of all people, Peter Dinklage, um, who is... Uh, the Dinkles? The Dinkles. The Dinkles oh. is there, and he's a sort of frenemy slash nemesis slash former boyfriend of Melissa McCarthy's and he's he's perfectly fine in it he's the problem is that it all feels totally out of place with the rest of the film mm. and Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcon have co-written this together and they've played to her strengths but I feel like they've shot it in the foot somewhat with its overt cartoony cartooniness that said the film on the whole does feel like an old school 90, early 90s family film a family comedy that's mm. just had some F-bombs shoehorned in and occasional digs at, at uh, you know, for instance, girl on girl action, things like that, and you think, yeah. oh, it feels it's, like if you remove this, this is a 1993, uh, you know, Goldie Horn comedy. It, what what I was going to say, it sounds like a 95 Adam Sandler 12 rated film, like like a Billy Madison kind yeah, of, very movie. much yeah. in that vein, in that sort of thing. But you, yeah. I could have seen this 15 years ago with with Goldie Horn. Goldie Horn. I could have imagined that 15 years, ago, 20 years ago. She, she needs to come back, doesn't she? Well, she is. She's doing she the with, Amy Schumer films, isn't she? She's doing the Amy Schumer one. Yeah. yeah, so we got that to look forward to. And and I, I've I've wanted to see Goldie Horn back on cinema screens for years, but uh, for now we just have to make do with Goldie Horn Junior. But we'll talk about her later. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The on-screen radio show. We're back, and let's uh, let's talk about some more stuff. Then, oh, did you hear about Elizabeth Banks? Meanwhile, uh, yeah, is this the news that she was dropping out of uh, Pitch Perfect? Pitch Perfect this was the thing yeah. she directed Pitch Perfect two. No one expected it to. It wasn't even advertised that she was. And not, then, not greatly. Not no. really. No, the no, film no. came out and it's directed by Elizabeth Banks. Like, wow. Okay. Good job, Lizzie. Yeah. It was her first film. Was and it, it was, was her debut. Yeah. And because she's produced some dross. I don't know if you've seen Walk of Shame. Uh, I have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, apparently she was sued over that because she took the idea from another oh, really? script. And you're thinking, you know what? You'd let him have it because let him take the blame <laughs> for that one. <laughs> she's going to like, live on Netflix forever. I mean, it it yeah. is. It is. But now she's dropped out of Halloween Pitch Perfect 3, allegedly because mm. she's just too busy. And she is quite she in is. demand. Yeah. Because she's got. Uh, 
the Charlie's Angels reboot. She's directing that over at Sony. Uh, the Red Queen. Red as Queen well, as yeah. well. That's for so Universal. And yeah. So you know, it, and she's doing Power Rangers. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. She's going to be. She's going to be the starring. She's doing that now. She's starring in Power Rangers. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they'll just be sort of finishing up wrapping yeah, right about I think now. So, so uh, we've got to talk then about uh, Sasha Baron Cohen real quick. Uh, Sasha He's Baron got something got interesting coming up. Yeah. A potential franchise one there, I think. Yeah, although, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, although the studio behind it doesn't have a great track record with franchise builders of late. What is it called? It is Mandrake the Magician. Are you familiar with Mandrake the Magician? Uh, not up until yesterday, but I saw a picture and immediately I was just thinking, yes, you can see him can play that. So, Mandrake yeah. the Magician is, of course, a 1930s pulp comic strip character based on the work of Peter Falk. Now, mm. I primarily know this character through the 1980s animated series Defenders of the Earth, which was like an Avengers style team up with Flash Gordon, the Phantom, and Mandrake the Magician. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. It was amazing. It was a brilliant series. Let's, let's get Billy Zane. I've, let's I've, get Billy Zane in. Get Billy, get get Billy Zane back. Uh, let's get... Uh, what, what, what was the other one you said? Uh, Flash Gordon. Oh, man. Flash Gordon. Who do you get as Flash on. Gordon now? As, what, as a, as a new Flash Gordon? As a new Flash Gordon, who would you cast? I know who I'd get. I'd get the... Uh, Liam Hemsworth. Let's just call it what it is. Liam Hemsworth. I would get John Krasinski. Jo- oh, yeah, actually. Gross hair out, dye blonde, yeah, yeah, amazing. See that. Yeah. But anyway, so Mandrake the Magician is a stage magician who uses his powers of hypnosis and the da- and the mystic arts mm. to fight crime on the side, as you do. It's a bit of Doctor Strange-ish. Bit of Doctor yeah. Strange, but I think he's a little bit more light-hearted, a little bit more the shadow kind of a thing. Oh, um, I love the shadow. I know, I love oh, the shadow man. too. The ice <laughs> is slippery. But anyway, <laughs> I need to watch that. I love a bit of young Alec Baldwin. Mm. But uh, so what you've got now is Sasha Baron Cohen's going to play the lead. It's going to be updated for a contemporary audience. He's going to be sent Ooh, on a really? mission by the U.S. That's government. Cool. So yeah, right. and Etten Cohen is writing and directing it. So good. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be an interesting. I hope so. That one. So Etten Cohen, just for the uninformed, Etten Cohen was involved in Tropic Thunder, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. So there we are. So some. Did, some he, did he write Cameron. it with Justin? Through? Justin through, yeah, I believe, because yeah. Justin through then got the job writing Iron Man two. Yes. And we all wish he hadn't. <laughs> um, right. So you remember uh, what was his name? Seth Graham Smith dropped out of directing The Flash recently for Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's got someone new, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So it's got and, and it's got Rick Famuyiwa, who is the Great director. Name. Of dope, yeah, and uh, yeah. So he is the new, the new, uh, the new director. Of the I film. quite enjoyed dope. They're still going to be using right. Seth Graham Smith's script, though. They are apparently they were happy with the script, but not with his take as a director. I think it was going to be his first film as a director, yeah. and this other guy is more of a experienced hand. As 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 yeah. as as living in dread as I am of the of the Flash being a movie and taking attention away from the infinitely brilliant to, uh, TV series, <laughs> uh, I am somewhat inspired by the notion that the original story and treatment for the film does come from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, yeah. who wrote and directed the Lego movie. Of so, course. and they aren't. They're not, they're not doing it anymore because they've got the Han Solo film. Yeah, because so you know, fine. exactly. You, you succeed upwards in Hollywood as well. <laughs> <laughs> on which note, then, should we should we crack on with the box office top ten for the week? Why not? Number ten, Houseful three. Well, this is a, a Bollywood film, so yeah. And uh, I've, I've not seen Houseful or Houseful two. No, no, I haven't either. I think it's Houseful two, Houseful, Houseful. You would you would imagine <gasps> Houseful yeah. two, maximum capacity. Oh, oh that writes itself. That one really does it. What was it? House. I know there was a house party. Party two, I can't remember the subtitle. I think it was just House Party two. House Party two. But uh, whatever happened to Kid and Play? We I don't know. Back. They turned up in that uh, that uh, that fat hip hop fashion documentary recently. I was very happy to see oh, them. Yeah. Number nine, Money Monster. I really liked this. Like I say, died in the wall, proper old school, mid to late nineties, star driven, low mid budget thriller by Jodie Foster. Mm. What what's not to love in that? I mean, this manages to make something of a star of Jack O'Connell, which I thought was impossible. So would I mean, if it were left to my, left to me, I'd stick him and Miles Teller on a remote island.
Ireland somewhere and leave them with a, to with it. With a skins box set. With a skins box set. And, and <laughs> Look at what you came I'd from. I'd give one of them a spear. That's what I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> Two men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> so that's just my own personal. But no, George Clooney, great. Julia uh, Julia Roberts, great. Um, I loved everything about them. I had a really, really great time with it. I was gripped. I was entertained. I was thrilled. Number eight. The Jungle Book. It's going down. It is. It is. It's going to be out by the time we have to make good on our promise to... Oh, uh, shucks. Yeah, to sing the yeah. Bare Necessities. So <laughs> two more weeks. If it hangs in two more weeks, we have to sing the Bare Necessities. We do. But, uh, yes, yeah, so John Colson, who we actually ran into before, mm. before yeah, we started. Yeah, he just showing. popped in, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he was disappointed by it. And he was someone who I didn't realise really loved the Jungle Book. He was disappointed by it. I, Although... I also really loved the original Jungle Book. It was one of the films I watched at my yeah. grand's house. And I thought it was great. I, I actually prefer this. I, I kind of do as well. I think this is a little bit more cohesive. It's not quite a scatter shot as the old school animated one. But you know what? I appreciate everyone's got their favourite. Mm. So to each that's their ju- own. That's just like your opinion, man. Number seven. Angry Birds, the you movie slash app. Jingle, don't you? I do. <laughs> so no, I, I like this, and this I say there have been people who've been really snooty about it. Oh, it's a, it's a game. It's a movie based on a game on a phone. How good can it be? Well, the answer is you get the screenwriter from The Office. You get one of the writers of The Office to come in, write you a screenplay that actually plays up the absurdity of it all, that manages to incorporate what made the game so fun in the first place, and also give us a Jason Sudeikis comedy in the middle of it. What's not to love in there? I had fun with it. Josh Josh Gad's in there, you know, Olafing it up. Is it Olaf? Was Olaf, it? Yeah. Olaf's the You know who Olaf is. I forgot. I, don't, I, could, I, could, I Him and Sven confused. Number six. The Nice Guys. <laughs> the Nice Guys. Now, you got to see this, so please do tell. So, I, I loved this. I probably enjoyed it more than you. I think I did. Yeah, because you said that it pales in comparison to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I didn't say it pales. I, I say it's not a patch on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I don't think what it's as funny. I, because, it's more slapstick, but less funny, I think. Right, I say that it is more slapstick, and I'd say it, it is as funny. I'd say that it's kind of walked that that fine line pretty successfully of being more of just like an out and out comedy. And I think that it works with the seventies tone. I think that if you were to do what Kiss Kiss Bang Bang did, that kind of sort of tone of humour, but did it in the seventies, it would have been too dark. I will been, say been that. too much like Boogie Nights. In, in and the, you would have just been comparing it to Boogie Nights. In in, yeah. in, in helping your argument, I'm going to actually reinforce you a little bit now. Oh, so actually, that never happens. <laughs> well, you know, a broken clock's right twice a day and all. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> Big, begrudging, begrudging uh, uh, compliment. That's the but, definition uh, of that kind of compliment. Yeah, but no, I will say, it did stick with me, and I have still thought about it a few times. There are gags that occasionally pop back in my head, mm. like, oh yeah, that was really funny, I didn't give it credit maybe for Maybe it'll be a second watch kind of thing. I, I think maybe, maybe it's a grow another show, we don't maybe. know. But uh, So before we before we get to the uh, to the jump then, oh, we've got to talk about Netflix's new uh, acquisition. They're in talks for this one. Netflix are looking to pick up Brett Ratner's new film. Yeah. Yeah, you heard about mm, this? I have heard about so this. So this is a mockumentary called Soul, 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 The Murray Murray Story, Yeah, starring Eddie Murphy. This is a mockumentary starring Eddie Murphy as Murray Murray, a 60s soul singer who attempts to get his band back together when a hip-hop artist of our time samples his work. Yeah. So, I don't know, that could work? I like the concept, I don't know if I like the team. Love Eddie Murphy, and, I mean, not, not counting, like, 1,000 words and that kind of stuff, but... With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. So, um, 
as much as I'd love to put it off forever, we do have to talk about what is probably the most widely widely marketed film of the week, and that is, of course, Mother's Day, which is the latest in the rather unlikely series that began with Valentine's Day back in 2010, then continued at the end of 2011 with New Year's Eve. And I... It was a case of let's just throw a bunch of stars in there and just give them any old things yeah. because we've got the all star cast. A day. Yes. Yeah. And it is an ensemble drama, different plot lines. Some are interwoven, some are not. Now he's doing Mother's Day. Why? Why did they not like release it the same? Just I. I don't. I don't know why. I understand that in the states, Mother's Day was recently. It's the second Monday in May. Uh, second Sunday in May. Sorry. Right. And obviously, ours is round about March time. As is March. Why, yeah. I, why do we just release it early? I'll. I'll Save it. Or just don't release it at all. I don't, I don't know. Whatever okay, you want to do, so, Gary. <laughs> whatever you want to do. Um, now, I'll tell you what he wants to do. What he wants to do is... Uh, well, you know, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. So, interwoven stories this time around include Jennifer Aniston as a single mum, whose ex-husband is Timothy Oliphant, because Jennifer... You, Jen- you would definitely... Get a divorce from Tim Phelps. Yeah, yeah. I'd I, I be honest. I, I wouldn't trust a man that charming. I, I wouldn't. I, I couldn't be married to a man that outwardly charming and also strikingly handsome because he's a beautiful man. Let's fantastic. Ola fantastic. So uh, Timothy Oliphant announces to his ex-wife that he has gotten married. He has eloped. He's gone off and eloped with a much younger woman. So you've got Jennifer Aniston who's struggling with the idea of being replaced by a younger model. Oh, scumbag. Exactly. Fancy yeah. that moving on with his life and finding happiness elsewhere. Just like Brad Pitt. I know. Ooh, ooh, that was biting. <laughs> Angelina wasn't much younger, but anyway, uh, hotter, yes. But no. Um, anyway, so, uh, then you've got Jason Sudeikis, whom we meet. What's, what's his story? What we meet him stood over his wife's grave with the line, "I can't believe it's been a year already," because it's that kind of a film. His wife, Jennifer Garner, is a marine who's been killed overseas, serving, uh, serving, serving for her country, and has left Jason Sudeikis, whom, by the way, is also a former marine, to raise. Yes, Jason Sudeikis <laughs> is a former marine. Someone actually pitched that. Um, no, I can, I can to, see to raise that, his two daughters actually. alone. Yeah. You've then got um, a struggling stand-up comedian played by Jack Whitehall. Oh I, God! Yes, what? yes, I said that out loud. And his his reluctant fiance, uh, Britt Robertson, from tomorrow. Land. Yeah. Yeah. Who apparently has been in a relationship with him for nine years. She looks about 15. So, no, but anyway, um, so they have a kid together, but she doesn't want to get married because she was adopted and she wants to know who she is first. And her mother may or may not, in fact, be the queen of daytime home shopping, played by Julia Roberts in the worst wig you've ever seen. And she's wearing the ginger yeah, Mary yeah. Queen of Shops. Wig, but isn't she? but yeah. wait, there's more. There's also Kate Hudson, yeah. who is uh, who is uh, ma- married to. She's in an interracial marriage with Asif Manvi from The Daily Show. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but hasn't told her mother about it because her mother is actually a bigoted racist. Or well, both her parents. Who plays? Been, who plays mum? I do not forget offhand. I know. I, I know the actress from other things, but I don't know her actual name. I will find out in a second. Okay. Um, and then you've also got her sister, Sarah Chalk, Elliot from Scrubs. No way. Yes. Who is uh, who is who is in a uh, in a gay marriage and hasn't told the same mum because the mother is also homophobic. This, of course, builds to a crescendo where mum and dad happen to pop by for Mother's Day after all these years to rebuild some bridges and both sisters have to sort of hide their respective lives and then inadvertently come out to their parents and and build acceptance. 
bit of a cluster fudge. Cluster fudge, indeed. Very, mm. very cluster fudge. Um, here, here is an awful fudging clip. Daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. Two, actually, but only one is currently, you know, becoming a woman. Gotcha. Yeah, their mom used to do this, but um, well, I do it now. Same boat, two sons. How is that the same boat? Um, I, uh, I guess just the, the number. Sorry, I don't usually eavesdrop on other people's cards. Just, I'm Sandy. I have two sons. I already said that. Yes, you did. I could take you over oh, here. Oh, thank you. All right, well, bye. Yeah, nice meeting you. Uh-huh. Sandy with two sons. It was two, right? Yes, the hilarity evident there. Uh, so this has been written with apparently no eye whatsoever towards being engaging or appealing, and this could not actually be more middle of the road if it were avoiding traffic. It is so mind-numbingly unfunny, so mm. devoid of charm or likability. You actually lose respect for actors that you quite liked before the film, having seen them in this. I mean, case in point about about it not being funny or charming, the, the racism stuff with Asif Manvian and Kate Hudson and Margot Martindale, as you just yeah, pointed out. Who, in, who, funnily enough, I know as having played Granny Goodness in Smallville. So the fact that she's in yeah. Mother's Day is almost ironic. Mm. But... Um, what you say, you've got the racism stuff, and it is meant to be funny, but because the film is so unfunny, what you wind up with is this near half an hour vignette chopped up into pieces in which actors you would otherwise respect simply spew unfunny racism. And I appreciate that it's not intended in that way, but the problem is because it's not funny, it feels like it is. <laughs> and an acid manvy is so much better than this that it's unreal. Um, it. It's it's just... I mean, let's talk about Jack Whitehall for a second, who's bouncing around this film with this clean-shaven, glassy-eyed look like he's been inducted into some sort of cult and he's ready to whip out an e-meter on cue. It, it, he actually has, at one point, not, at two different points, has stand-up comedy skits because he's playing a comedian. He must have the best agent in the world. His agent's his dad. We know this. This is a. a, a I didn't know this. This is. A, did you not know that his the, agent? The, his, his the, extent, the extent of my knowledge about Jack Whittle is I've seen him tell what I think was a joke once on Graham Norton, and after that I was like, no, I hate him. I never want to see him again. Why does he work in well, an industry that I like? I will defend bad education because it does play to his strengths. But uh, but anyway, I saw the post of that. He, he's I awful in this. He's awful in it. Um, everybody's awful in this. <laughs> and the less said about Julia Roberts and <laughs> trying to work around the ghastly, ghastly visage they've given her. Do you know what? I will say one thing. It has got Hector Elizondo in it. I just saw that at the castle. Yeah, it's got yeah. Hector Elizondo in it, and it inadvertently Angela plays. Roberts, that's, Angela, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good, it gets know. better as well. He's her PA. He's oh, like great. her butler type. And when we meet, just to play to another great Hector so, Elizondo. So he's not type, played a hotel concierge. No, no, that's what I'm getting to. You right. meet him in a hotel lobby, and all I can think of is acting pace to my true passion. Concierge. <laughs> yeah, if, if you didn't know, that's all he does in films. That's all he does in films. Yeah. American Dad has established this. We might we might whack the clip in later. I think. Yeah, we should. But, uh, we'll find that clip and but, use um, that. But the the guy that well, there's there's a couple of people that actually did the screenplay. But uh, one of the guys, oh. it's his uh, his first ever screenplay. But he Can was I... he was an actor. He was in New Year's Eve and also Valentine's Day. I also want to touch on the writing of it. Oh, I go on. Say it's so go unfunny. On. Yeah. Um, it's one of those films you watch, and despite the fact that the bulk of the cast members are in their twenties and thirties. It feels like it's been written by someone in their 50s. Now, I looked into it. There are three writers credited on the film. They are all, in what is only described as a, a creepy quirk of fate, they are all aged exactly 47 years old. Yeah, I'm just looking at that. You look at it. They're all 47 years old. And you can tell because 
they quite clearly do not see the world of the 2030-somethings, mm. even in terms of something as basic as technology. Well, Gary Marshall came up with the story as well with someone else, and he is just older than time itself, isn't he? Yeah. Case in point, yeah. um, there is a moment. There is a moment in which, uh, at which, what the younger wife character of Timothy Oliphant says, "Oh, tweet at me." And you're like, "What? No, no one says that." <laughs> No, no one says that. There's Has- then another hashtag moment. Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hashtag GOT. But yeah. uh, there's then a moment two minutes later in which Kate Hudson uh, slams a laptop shut and her husband asks, oh, what were you doing? She goes, uh, nothing, Snapchatting. You're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. There's then a moment in which I think you've got one of them's using a, oh, the mum, Margot Martindale's using a laptop. And it's clearly switched off. You're thinking, what? What? Just no one who's involved in the writing of this film. just like a millennial dummies screenplay it, it really is yeah. i mean put it, that, that i mean i know that's nitpicking but it is symptomatic of just how irritating mm. the film is and irritating is the watchword it's one of the worst things i've sat through all year i'm not exaggerating it is dreadful it is horrible and you know the worst part about it we're never going to get martin luther king day no the, movie. the worst part we're never is gonna get it. my mum would love it that's the worst yeah, part yeah my mum would as well all of our mums would sit there watch it and think it was great i was at my mum's yesterday and in her collection of films, she's got Valentine's Day oh, and New Year's, Year's Day. New Year's Eve. No, New Year's Eve, New sorry. Year's yeah. Eve. That's, that's awful. So let's talk about something less awful then. Oh, yes, please. I let's think talk, we, we got, need a bit of a palette. Right, we're going to have to be quick on it as well. Let's do it. Um, so let's talk about uh, Learning to Drive then, uh, which is... Uh, yeah. Yes, now wow. we're talking. This one, this is an interesting one. So this stars uh, Ben Kingsley and uh, Patricia Clarkson. And the general gist is, uh, Ben Kingsley is a Sikh taxi driver in New York, part-time driving instructor, part-time taxi driver, picks up a fare one night. It's Patricia Clarkson and her husband, Jake Weber, who you might remember as the sympathetic character in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. Yes, that's pretty much yeah, all he'll yeah, be right. forever. And in, in in the course of their taxi ride, this couple split up. He is leaving her for a younger... for a, well, young, I think it is a younger woman. He's unhappy, he's moving on. And she's left to pick up the pieces and move on with her life. Over the course of this, though, she's actually never learned to drive. She discovers that her taxi driver is, in fact, also a driving instructor, takes his card and starts having lessons with him. And, of course... Over time, they start to build a rapport and build a friendship and find they're actually leaning on each other for support when in, in this unlikeliest of friendships. But of course, Darwin, who's uh, ben, 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 ben Kingsley's yeah. seat character, um, has entered into an arranged, a traditional arranged marriage with a woman named Jasleen, who has shipped over from Pakistan to, uh, to, uh, to from India, sorry, to, uh, to join him in the US. Mm. They get married the next day, and he literally picks her up mid-driving lesson as well, <laughs> in a brilliant <laughs> moment. And she's played by Sarita Chowdhury who, of course, is Saul's wife in Homeland. And most importantly, she's in a hologram for the king, in which she was terrific. And, of course, they have this... this They've never met. They're husband and wife within 24 hours. She is kind of terrified by the idea of having to discover the world and discover her own life and has to learn to come out of her shell and invest in her relationship with Kingsley as well. We have a clip. I don't know how to talk to her. We don't like the same things at all. She's scared of America. She's scared of me. She hides. You know words, Wendy. What do I say? That you'll... You'll never stop trying. That you'll fight for her. Every day you'll try to cross the divide because she's worth that. 
Is this what you wanted to hear from him? So uh, when it begins, it begins on quite a comedic uh, mm. note. It puts its comedic foot forward first before getting into the more emotional stuff. And what you've actually got is a really carefully constructed film. And this this is a reunion from Isabel Cassette, who directed Elegy. Elegy? Elegy? How did you tell I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, let's call it Elegy for the hell of it. Mm. Um, this is a reunion between her and her, two of her stars from that film, who were, of course, Ben Kings and Patricia Clarkson. And they play very, very well off each other, uh, well, off one another. They've got a great script by uh, Sarah Kenochen, who wrote uh, Summersby. Oh, yeah. Uh, way back when. Yeah, really good writer who's come back and done this and evidently not lost her touch at all because she's managed to walk the fine line brilliantly between the need to play to the world of both characters and Isabel Cassette handles it the same way. What you've got is this really carefully gauged balancing act between two worlds and a friendship in the middle of it. So it's kind of, it's kind of like the friendship is the buffer zone between two mm. completely conflicting films and yet it all works and Kingsley plays it mostly as a sort of tongue-in-cheek yet brilliantly sympathetic character but it's Clarkson I think who gets the heavy lifting to do because she gets the more emotional aspects of it. Kingsley gets to hide kind of behind the I am stoic and withdrawn, I am man of pride kind of a character, whereas with Patricia Clarkson, heart's very much on a sleeve. And with Kingsley, it's kind of left to Sarita Chowdhury to steal that show from him. And she does it admirably. I'm really starting to love Sarita Chowdhury. Mm, I really like it. I, I do. Good. I thought she was terrific in A Hologram for the King, and I think she's genuinely brilliant here. Um, I do think it's a really solid, engaging uplifting and heartfelt sort of a dramatic comedy. And it is a dramedy in that it literally is a dramatic comedy. And I like it for that. It's it's you get like rom coms all the time and they're neither romantic nor funny. No. You sit and think like, like Mother's Day. Like Mother's Day. Yeah. Well actually that's more of a comedy because there's not really any romance in, in Mother's Day. But uh doesn't sound as much comedy either. There's not much comedy either. <laughs> it's just a thing. But that's the thing. If you, you, you can go into a film like Mother's Day and not have a single laugh and you can go into a film like this and just come out and just feel genuinely uplifted and genuinely mm. bemused and you will just have a good time. It is a film that surprisingly has mainstream appeal as well. I think it will play to a mainstream mm. audience. I think it needs obviously a better marketing campaign behind yeah, well, it. But it's taken three years to get to the screen, hasn't it? Three years since Toronto Film Festival, wasn't it? Yeah. But uh, it is a great film and I, I, I promise you it has been worth the wait. I Good. think you will, you will genuinely love it, Kay, so you, you will think well, it's great. I, I love both Ben Kings and Amstish Clarkson. My name's Trevor, Trevor Slattery. <laughs> That's it. All the way through. Because he's because he's playing a seek and he's got the hair and yeah. he's got I just think of <laughs> Trevor Slattery all the way through. Not that that's a bad thing, he was a terrific uh, Mandarin, but uh, yeah, he'll leave it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The on screen radio show. And we're back and dancing because why wouldn't we be? <laughs> I love when, that tune. when the weather is this nice, when the weather is this dance. nice, is this technically a Hawaiian shirt? By the way, I can't tell. Uh, it's, 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 like, it's quite a subdued Hawaiian shirt. It's quite subdued. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking, speaking of subdued, we have subdued ourselves long enough. Let us uh, move on then to complete this week's box office top ten. Number five. That was awesome. Did you like that? We are uncancelling the apocalypse. <laughs> We're uncancelling the apocalypse. So X Men Apocalypse yeah. or X Men Second Class, you want to call it. I actually saw this for a second time this last week. And what were your opinions for the second time round? Is 
I, I think I stand firm with what I thought, which is it's not that it's a particularly bad film. It's that it's mm. a very middling, very average film that feels directorially like it's been like quite like it's been quite pedestrian and affair. Yeah. That it feels underwhelming. No characters are particularly well served by it. Its plot gets lost folding in on itself to repeat all the best bits of the series so far. And frankly, the plot didn't need Wolverine in it. Stop taking everyone to Alkali Lake. They don't need to go there. We're gonna go there next year. Number four. Alice through the looking glass. We don't have a jingle for Alice the looking no. glass. What would you do for that one? I don't know. Um, this is, I say, I like the looking glass. I'm trying to think of a jingle. I'm trying to think of one. I don't know. TikTok? Clock? Oh, clock? we could do uh, Jefferson Airplane. Uh, White, White Rabbit. Ooh. Mm. Didn't think of that. Well, Next you got, week. No, you've got, you got the pink version now, though, because that's the one for the film. Oh, of course. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. At least, hey, at least it's not Raise Your Glass. We've got a better pink song out now. <laughs> but, no, very much an improvement over the first one. It's not been the financial heavy hitter they'd hoped. It's but, really not. But to be fair, who thought it would be? Nobody liked the first one. Having said that, I think because nobody liked the first one, everybody will be surprised at the second one, because mm. it is so much better, despite the fact that Johnny Depp is rubbish in it. Number three. Me before you. Right. I, I want to point out, this one has caused some minor controversy. Um, particularly, really? well, it, it's not gone down well with uh, with disability groups, and we in particular did actually get some hate mail about it. Oh, really? We actually did. We got hate mail about this film, because I wrote it, reviewed it, and said... Is this the first hate mail we've got since I started doing the show? Yes, yes it is. I'm excited. I'll share the details with you later, but it has been referred to... It was was sent to us as, this is disability porn, which I think is vastly unfair. I think it's a a pretty heartwarming, well-plotted and well-thought-out sort of tale of a budding friendship turning to romance. And Amelia Clark's great in it. Number two. I don't even need to see the title of this one, do I? You know what it is. <laughs> so turtles. But it's out got Krang in it. So yeah, he... it's got Krang. Actually, weirdly, Krang's kind of the worst thing in it. I think. Um, really, <laughs> really, and that's saying something. Mm. Krang's the worst thing. It, it Remember says last something. week you said that Fred Armisen was going to do it. And Fred Armisen was. It's Brad and now Garrett. It's Brad now. Garrett. Um, yeah. But no, I Not like bad. the film. I'm looking forward to it hitting home release because I think it will be something that I think young kids are going to love this film. I think this will be the kind of film that will play well to kids. Having said that, it's not the best Turtles 2. I think we all know that Secret of the Ooze is hard to top, and this movie doesn't have vanilla ice in it. So, you know, make of that what you will. Vast improvement over the first, though. Really like the character play this time around. Really like Stephen Amell. Really like the plot. Works for me. Number one. Snorcraft. 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 Game of Groans. Game of Groans. Which is just the worst. Oh. It is dreadful. It just... I can't figure out what it wants to be. And I, I like, now that it's finally opening in the US, we are getting a lot of critics who are, who are coming out and, say, and, and joining say this one, side. Say one nice thing about it. One nice thing let's, about let's it. Positive. It's a nice sunny day, let's be happy. Right, I'm going to be positive about it. Every member of the cast is genuinely invested in it. They are giving that's, it their that's all. A good, are, yeah, that's good. I have to give it that credit. They genuinely are. They are mm. giving it their all, and they're really going for it. Mm. Fair play to them. I just they are let down by a director who has lost any sense of vision, a script which is all over the chop, a, a story that did, makes did no sense. Did he write sense. it as well, or was he just directed it? I think or he did. He I, think he, I think he at least at least a co-writer. Did, on did it. a pass on it? 
But uh, it's just a mess. I mean, it's called the beginning for a reason because most of it's set up for another film, which we're probably never going to get. We never, you're never going to see that. That being said, it has done really well in the Chinese uh, box office. It has. Mm. So let's let's talk about a film that probably isn't going to do well in the Chinese box office. Then, in the meanwhile, let's talk about uh, Michael Moore's Where to Invade <laughs> Next, which gets its premiere at next week's Sheffield Dockfest, incidentally. Yeah, and uh, we've, we've got a man on the ground. Going we on. have got a man on the ground. Uh, so this is Michael Moore's latest, in which he sets it up with a comedic skit, whereby he is sent, to the, he is summoned to the Pentagon, and told, "We have lost too many wars. We haven't won a war in so long. Can you help us?" And he decides, instead of sending an army, just send me, and I'll invade countries for you myself on my own, and I will bring back the best thing about those countries. So what you actually get is a series of mini-docs, effectively, with this hamstrung through-line of, of, you know, I'm going to invade. Uh, And he goes to different countries, goes to examine one facet of these countries in which they outdo the Americans. So he goes to France, for instance, and finds out that their school dinners, for instance, are gourmet affairs, that their lunches are an actual class, that they are served a three-course meal on fine china, and so on and so forth. We have a clip in which he meets the Slovenian Prime Minister. Uh, how do you say in Slovenian, any American student can come here and go to university for free? Oh, Wait a minute, slow, slow. Rabbi is Do you use the regular alphabet here? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We do. We have 25 characters. We have 26, right? Well, that's, yeah. Which one did you cut out? Uh, w, we don't have that. Did you cut out W while Bush was president, or was that before? I'm just curious. It's not. It's from the beginning. Please. It's from the beginning. It's nothing to do with Bush. Why do we? Why don't we like the letter W? I, I don't know. But does that not kind of prove once and for all? Michael Moore can't even discuss the alphabet without, without making it about Bush. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> really can't. Right. Uh, if you like Michael Moore, you're gonna like this. Right, he yeah. is. He's he's true to form. He has returned. He's not Mr. Beat. Now, I don't think he's being as laser focused as the old Fahrenheit 9/11 days. No. Um, Fahrenheit 9/11 is an amazing documentary. Um, well, it's, it's both both first three, both Columbine, that, and then Sicko. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is a lot better than Capitalism: A Love Story. However, I, I never saw one. It left me cold. Okay. Um, having said that, though, you can't quite get over the scattershot nature of it all, and it feels like this really would have been better served as being a, a cable documentary series mm. rather than strung together in such a hammy way. I did like it, and I wasn't bored by it, and I was really interested in his mini documentaries, didn't it? There's stuff in there about um, the Portuguese prison system, for it, which is fascinating. Gen- you wouldn't. I'm not even going to tell you about it. Just you Just won't it. believe it when you see what the Portuguese Portuguese prison system Portuguese Portuguese prison system involves. You, you, it will it will blow you away. And uh, but that's the thing that he returns and he's in the same form that he always has been, which is he's either infuriating or inspiring, depending mm-hmm. on where you stand on the spectrum. I personally think the world is a better place with Michael Moore in it. I don't particularly like the guy, but I'd rather that there was someone going around at least trying to start a national conversation on things or an international conversation on things. Because I think we're all better off when we're talking about things than when they're, when we're not. And I like Michael Moore for that. He does provide that element that we need in that respect mm. I do think that we're sort of missing a trick that we're having this political year that we're having and Michael Moore is putting this out he's, 
I would like to think he's just cooking something else. I up. think but he's, he's buying he has his been time. Doing, doing the rounds and going on like different talk shows and voicing his opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, um, well, it's not our film of the week. I mean, I'll be really honest. I'm going to give film of the week to uh, to learning to drive. I think that's, that's that's got to be film of the week. I love Kingsley, I love Clarkson. I, I you know, I think that it's, a, it's a great, great film. But uh, we've got some interesting stuff to come up next week. What Meanwhile, do we have? we've got the Keeping Room, uh, which I, I've been kept relatively in the dark about. We've got the Conjuring Two. The Conjuring. The Conjuring. Yeah. The Conjuring 2. Reconjuring. Reconjuring. <laughs> uh, we've got Barbershop 3, a new chapter, which I, I'm not really familiar with the Barbershop series, so I have to watch the first two films beforehand. I've, I've seen the first two Have films. you seen the first two? Are you a fan? I won't say I'm a fan, but I'm not offended by them. You're not offended by okay. them. You tolerate them. It's Cube, man. I watch anything with Cube. Do you watch anything with Cube? Okay, well, we've got uh, Long Way North. That's next week as well. We've got uh, Where You're Meant to Be as well next week. We've got Tale of Tales, which has got the... Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I know. You love that cast. Osama Hayek and... Uh, Vincent Cassell. That's it. John C. Riley. And, of course, the one we've all been waiting for... The film we've been on the perched on the edge of our seat, waiting, chomping at the bit to enjoy. Gerard Butler in Gods of Egypt, yo. I cannot wait for this. Yeah, I can't wait for him to do like this an, an Egyptian Geezer! <laughs> an Egyptian <laughs> Scottish accent. I'm so excited. I just can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. This is Alexandria! <laughs> just anything. It's going to be uh, great. And then Jamie Lannis is just going to be like, Jamie Lannis, what am I yeah. doing here? <laughs> yeah, and then you've got uh, Brendan Benthwaite. Brendan Thwaites. Brendan Thwaites, yeah. the Australian kid from uh, Oculus. Yeah. I, I quite liked in that film, where, I want to say Son of a Gun. Son of a Gun with uh, Ewan McGregor. He was in that YA film with Jeff Bridges. Uh, the giver. The giver. Uh, you know what it gave me? A headache. But anyway. Hi-yo. <laughs> <laughs> On that. <laughs> On that note, this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been, as always, Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras time, Mr. Allen. So we 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 talked uh, Warcraft a little bit there, but we didn't talk about mm. Duncan Jones setting up his Moon trilogy. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So we've got a new film, Mute. I think Mute it's called. It's called. Yeah, um, it's released some concept arts, which you can see if you just Google it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I've I've not uh, I've not seen it. Um, I, I, cool. I'm, apparently, there's no really any details known of the film, but it is going to take place mm. in the same universe as, as Moon. Yeah, and it's a trilogy. There's going to be a third one as well. So, which is cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking forward to it after Warcraft. I, I think so. It's a case of please go back to doing what you do well, please. Ooh, Killing Joke. Yeah. Yes. Batman. So, Batman: The Killing Joke, which is one of the most famous Batman stories ever put to put to comic panels, uh, is is going to be an animated film released at the end of July. But there's also going to be a one night only theatrical release for it in the US. I'm hoping it happens in the UK as well. That'd be awesome. Um, although I'm hoping they change the day because it would be on my, my mum's birthday, and I really don't want to have to say hi, mum, love you, but mm, I'm Batman. You know, <laughs> not, but Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark Hamill's the Joker. One night Come only. On, yeah. Sorry, no, I know nine months in labour and all, but still Batman. Um, yeah, so one night only, July 26th. It's going to be in 
cinemas across the US at uh, 7.30 and 10pm. Those are your only, only chances to see it. It's also going to include an introduction by Mark Hamill, a look oh, at the man. Joker's song and dance routine from the movie, and a docu- behind-the-scenes documentary about the casting of Mark Hamill, which is going to have to go back about 30 years at this point, because <laughs> he is the definitive Joker. I don't care. You can he take- is for a lot of people. He, I'm sorry, but you can, you can bring Heath Ledger to the table as often as you like. I will show you Mark Hamill. And and then that's a discussion. Uh, let's see. Oh, have you heard about uh, have you heard about Jake Gyllenhaal and his video game ambitions? Yeah, um, the Division. The Division. Now, yeah. I, I saw adverts for this when it was out. The game. Mm. Sorry, obviously not the film because it's not happening yet. Um, but I saw adverts for the game and it looked really good. And it's it's Ooh. like a NYPD unit in the wake of uh, is it smallpox outbreak, cholera outbreak, something like that. I think it's something like that. Is it yeah, a viral some, some outbreak. Some kind of viral outbreak. It's it's panic on the streets. Is it Tom Clancy? It is Tom Clancy's yes. The Division. And Jake Gyllenhaal has now signed on to produce and star in mm. the movie adaptation of it. While this is going on as well, there is also, of course, the Tom Hardy one, Splinter Tom Cell. Clancy, Splinter Cell. Yeah, so maybe at some point, yeah. if that one ever gets made, that's been on Splinter the docket. Been years. It's got to be a good five years, easy. Yeah, they were like both, like that and Fastbender in Assassin's Creed were kind of like announced similar times. And I, I, I thought, we're never going to see these and... Assassin's Creed has been shot. There's posters, trailers, it's coming out. It's December. Come Assassin's on, Creed's Marley. real, man. We can't dispute it at this point. Yeah. We're just going to have to take the leap. Hey-oh! But, uh... Just the worst. <laughs> just the worst, I know. Uh, okay, so I don't want to dwell too much on the last two reviews. Okay. Uh, for the week. I mean, one of them is actually, one, one actually very difficult to review. But let's talk about the one that isn't very difficult first, which is Miracles from Heaven, uh, which is the latest film from the 33 director, Patricia Riggan. Um, who has moved on from her embrace of Catholicism last time to Christianity this time. Which one was... Oh, it was 33. The 33 was the Chilean miners. Uh, with, my, with my favourite line that Antonio Banderas has ever spoken. Which one? Go on. Oh, uh, what is it? It is... Um, There's some kind of like... There's like a loud bang, and he says... It is the heart of a mountain. It is finally broken. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So good. It was but, so good. Yeah, but not good. But oh, no, no, my, so my, good. my favourite thing was uh, Gabriel Byrne as the most Irish Chilean <laughs> man who's ever lived. And and the guy from Shawshank and the guy from Shawshank Redemption, the the warden. Oh, Bob Gunton. Bob Gunton, Gunton with an yeah. awful, awful Hispanic accent. But oh, it was just awful. It was so terrible. It was. <laughs> but so anyway, the thirty-three director Patricia Brigham is back now with Miracles from Heaven, in which she takes the uh, based on a novel, based on a true story concept mm. uh, by Christy Beam, and retells it for the screen. Um, starring Jennifer Garner and Martin Henderson as rural American parents. I believe they live in Texas. They live in Texas. Um, they have three daughters. He's a, a you know beloved hunky young vet who brings in every stray animal you can imagine. And one day, their young daughter Annabelle is diagnosed with uh, a, a, a ten- potentially fatal intestinal problem, meaning she can't process food. It doesn't digest properly, and this potentially can kill her. For a while, though, they don't quite know what it is. They, they think it's uh, basic lactose intolerance, which is what's in our clip. Yeah. Um, and before long, they, it's discovered what it is. They have to undergo expensive and arduous treatment, which takes a toll not only on Annabelle herself, both physically and emotionally, but on her parents as well, with Jennifer Garner slash Christy Beam questioning her very faith as a result. By the way, this is a Christian film, as you may have gathered, and this clip will very much inform you of. She can't have pizza. It's not just pizza, sweetheart. She can't have any dairy. She can have cheeseless pizza. Who would want that? Well, um, if Anna can't have pizza, then I won't have it either. 
Mm. Well, Abby, that's a great idea. I'm in. Oh, me too. Ever? You're not going to have pizza ever? Well, until Anna's better. Well, my body's still growing. <laughs> Wrong answer, genius. Abby. It's okay, Adeline. You're only six, no pressure. All right. Me too. Look at that. Oh, Let's hear it for you, <laughs> ladybug. <laughs> okay, is she getting well since? I would eat the pizza. Yeah, I know. I, I would. I'll be honest. If I were the little girl and I was stuck in the world in which this film set, I'd, I'd swallow the pizza whole. Yeah. Uh, let me sum up in the way we are to which we are so accustomed. Oh God! Oh God! Oh! Yeah, that's not quite the god they had in mind in this film, I promise you. Um, this... I, feel, I feel like just those strings and the score has given me diabetes. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can, I can taste the sweetness. It's one of those faith films that's... I don't know, I, I don't know why they do this. They, they shoot themselves in the foot because they decide, with minute one in these films, that their characters will have no personalities or interests outside of their faith. So mm. as a result, what you get is not a character what you get is a prayer puppet and jennifer garner tries and she you know she does an admirable job trying to inject some life into this and martin henderson's charming enough as well the problem is the film is such indiscriminate dross that you sit all the way through it thinking i wonder if i bang my head really heavily against the chair in front it'll put me to sleep for the entire duration of the film that yeah. i could just render myself unconscious then you'll give yourself some kind of brain condition and then we'll just make a big story in a film and then jennifer garner will play your wife in it and it's so bad it'll it's... just get more work so just don't do it it's also one of those uh, faith-based films which is actually potentially quite dangerous in some of the things it says, namely don't have faith in Western medicine, just pray instead. And that literally is a point at one at one stage in the film in which uh, the, the little girl's in a, in a hospital room with another little girl and tells her, oh, mm. you know, you know, oh, I've got God, and the, little, the other little girl dies, and the other one's fine, and then there's someone falls into a tree and has a vision sequence where they meet God, and, and yeah. Played by Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be a thing? It reminds me of that American, do you remember that American Dad, oh no, Family Guy skit when uh, Jesus was in it and uh, Peter Griffin said, there's someone you should see. And he turns up at George W. Bush's speech and says, no, no, you know nothing of my work. Yeah. It, it feels like that. It, the film has this prevailing notion that um, you ev ev everything's a miracle. That's one of the things the film puts forward. Mm. Everything in life is a miracle. Begging the question, well, if everything's, everything in life's a miracle, why are you making a film to tell us about it? And with all this struggling, which doesn't make a whole heap of sense anyway, because your life's gone through the toilet, and then apparently everything's miraculous. And Why? What kind of an outlook to have? It's just, everything's more just kind of like, Basic. Do you want to do your intelligence? Isn't it? Yes, more yeah. or less. I mean, oh, oh, at one point the faith element is actually employed via a final destination style invisible invisible machination. Like I mean, you're on a plane, and no, they're trying to board a plane. Oh, right. And, and final, oh, des final destinations, much better natured good brother, uh, invisibly taps the keyboard and changes the computer for them. And you're thinking, what? What? Although I really would now like to see so sort of an inverted... Uh, yeah. yeah, I would like to see an inverted version of Final Destination now. First Destination. Oh. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> why has that not been made? Why? why? I have no idea. Do the, you know what? I 
that the last um the last film of that that series i really love that twist i did the end yeah yeah, yeah. it was on tv recently oh was it really yeah i watched it on tv oh because yeah. emma and i have a thing with the final destination series five nil five nil destination five nil destination. it was called on the poster we have a thing with the Final Destination series where, for some reason, they're always on TV. It's always on TV when we're going to bed at night, so we wind up watching a good half of each film, mm. and we've got a soft spot for the schlocky, enjoyable horror of it. I'm talking at length about this now because Miracles from Heaven is so truly god awful. I'd rather not think about it again. So I'm just going to talk about how great Final Destination is instead. <laughs> when I saw the first one, I remember thinking it was like an X Files episode from the perspective of the victims, but mm. uh, which I don't know if the X Files ever actually did that. But I can't uh, recall. No. Yeah. But no, Final Destination Five, love that end twist. Good good end twist. It was good, yeah. Although I saw it coming, you know. There was one, one did you really? there was one reason I saw that coming. Why? It's a real nerd thing. Throughout the film, the characters all use a very specific antiquated mobile phone. It's usually something like that, isn't very it? Very specific yeah. one. And that's something the thing. tech based. They're, 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 their, adherence, yeah, their adherence to being quite specific actually shoots them in the foot because mm. I saw it coming. And uh, yeah, it was it was a phone actually. I don't think it was ever released in the UK either. It was a very specific American oh, phone that yeah. was only available in the US. I think you only ever saw it on US. I guess throughout. because of that you would pick up on it more because you would be like, oh yeah, we never. Got oh, it's that, Riley's so phone just... from season five of Buffy. Yeah, I remember that. That was really nerdy. <laughs> it's really nerdy, isn't it? But uh, <clears throat> it was a phone that just didn't exist anywhere else in the world. Mm. So. Um, Let's talk about Fire at Sea then, or uh, Fuoco Amare, uh, which is evidently very popular and beloved by Meryl Streep. And is the uh, this is the story of... Um, what we've got is a Sicilian island um, who are basically sort of on the midway point of a, cross, a, a, a path across the Mediterranean, mm. which Syrian immigrants are using at their peril. And there are a number of accidents, there are a number of fatalities, and uh, basically we get to see this all from the perspective of not only the uh, the refugees themselves, mm. but also the, the the inhabitants of the island. Now, what you've got is actually a really, really well-made film, uh, mostly dialogue-free, strangely. Mm. I mean, there's some very faint bits of subtitle dialogue here and there, but it is mostly dialogue-free and musically based. It is interesting and it is uh, compelling, but you do look at it and think, this has only got an artistic shelf life and not really much of a, a box office one. Uh, it is a film that I think you will very, very shortly see on Storyville or film, yeah. or film 4 if they're going to keep it in its own right. Okay. Very much destined for there, but I think it will do very well. Apparently, um, it has been... The, the filmmaker, whose name I forget, has gone to uh, some EU conference with 27 copies of it for the various delegates from their respective countries to, to wake them up to the situation that uh, refugees are currently experiencing. So it's an interesting one to say the least it's it's not like anything else that's out there i've got to give it that mm. but uh, so have you got any more film news on uh yeah i've got a couple of a uh, couple of little pieces um avengers infinity war yes go on it's got someone to do the score Ooh, it's someone we know it's someone we like it's someone that's famous someone that's done pretty big themes this is a guy that did my uh, my my favorite marvel theme to date i believe which uh well, first of all, what is your favourite Marvel theme to date? Uh, I like the first Avengers uh, theme. Well, it's a good job that Alan Silvestri is coming exactly, back. Exactly, yeah. Alan Silvestri is <laughs> coming back. That's, that's good. That's really it's good. It's true. I thought uh, Brian Tyler had a bit, of a, a bit of a spotty track record. Did he do um, he Age of Ultron? Uh, no. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did yeah. Age of Ultron, Iron, Iron Man, Man 3, 3, and Thor The Dark World. They were his. Yeah, he's... 
It's more just kind of like a bit of a job and it's not done and memorable theme. I think that's been something kind of letting down the Marvel films a little bit. You just not had many kind of like memorable themes, really. Aside from maybe the one little bit in the first Avengers. Yeah, very true. Although I do like the Iron Man 3 uh, score. That and credits. Yes. Can can you dig it? Yeah, can you dig it? That is amazing. But I also remember you using it at a film quiz once. But, I did. Uh, Not many people got it as well. I got it, Kate. Of course. You, I, I, I saw you straight away. You were like, yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, hang on. There's. Uh, have you heard of Spontaneous? Um, as in the, the, the word? Or? No, the book, Spontaneous by Aaron Starmer, is a no, young no, adult novel. I Young adult novel about a group of high school kids who must band together when their high school comes under siege by a wave of spontaneous human combustions. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yes, it yeah. does, doesn't it? Do you know what's something even cooler? kind of spinal tap, but yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's something even cooler. What? The company who've gotten the rights to remake this are named Awesomeness Films. <laughs> They've got to be great. They've, They've got, got to be good. good. Films. You've got to be good you, if your name's Awesomeness. You cannot, you cannot have a name like that and not try and live up to it. It's true. Yeah. It's like if your name was You've got Ace. some gusto, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine if your name was Ace and you're a bit of a loser? People used to think my name was Ace. I used to really, really hate that. <laughs> I hate my name anyway, but the fact so that people would be... We've had Ace. Ace, Ace Allen. We've Ace, Chase. Quace. Qua- had. You've had Quace. Casey. Casey's probably the most common one. Okay. Yeah. It's just when when people see see my name written down, which is K-A-S-E, just all... Cassé? No yeah, just Cassé? like all... Yeah, I've had Cassé. All kind of like semblance of logic are just reading words. See, oh. it's, it's a fact the case with a C, people see it, perfectly fine. If you replace <laughs> the, the C with a K, it just blows people's heads. It's insane. Uh, okay, um... <laughs> Sorry, it's a point of contention about my life. I hate That's it. fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, the Secret Garden's getting remade. Did you know this one? Oh, yeah. David I didn't. I didn't know it was game of me. I know Steve Gardner. David saying. Heyman, uh, the producer of the Harry Potter series and Paddington. Hey man, yeah, yeah. Hey oh, man, God. he's re- he's remaking uh, the Secret Garden. And that is a perfect person to do yeah, that. That's Gravity as well. Did he Gravity as well? Did he work in Gravity? Yeah. Oh, he did, didn't he? Um, meanwhile, mm. the upcoming CG animated remake of uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas has been delayed mm. by an entire year, so it won't be out for end of November 2017. It'll be out for end of November. It was beginning of November uh, 2018 now. Instead, this is the one that's going to have Benny Cumberbatch as yes, uh, Benny Batch. Benny, as, Batch. Uh, Benny, Benny the Batch. Batch. <laughs> Benny the Batch. Benny the Batch is going yeah. to be uh, the Grinch for this one. So. Do you reckon that could be because Star Wars? I don't know. Because obviously Episode 8 will be mid-December 2017. So maybe it wants to have a little bit longer of a run and it'll only have uh, Han Solo. I say only, it'll still... There's no mega money. Well, there's no official reason uh, for it to actually have been delayed. Although there is speculation that it was opening opposite uh, Francis Lawrence's upcoming spy thriller Red Sparrow, so that it might have been scared of that. Like, yeah, I think two very distinct audiences there. Yeah. Uh, My final bit for the week is: uh, Do you remember ages ago there was the uh, all girls Goshen, uh, all girls Goshen's Eleven, all girls Ocean's Eleven uh, spinoff? Yeah. was it Sandy B? Sandy B, yo. Sandy B was essentially doing the the clone, the Danny Ocean thing, yeah. Yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence was circling. It was. Brad Pitt. She's not now. Oh, really? No, Jennifer Lawrence is too busy. Apparently, <clears throat> in right. her place we have Kate Blanchett. I mean, that's just a step up. It really is, <laughs> isn't it? Um, gets better. Oh, you've got an Oscar. I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gets better. 
Uh, it now has a sort of a title, and it's called an oh, affectionate really? title. And yeah, this is what they are calling it. Whether or not this is actually going to be the official title, it's just a working. I don't title. know. What is also, it? gives you a vague idea of how how what the size of the cast will be, which is it's going to be called Oceans Ocho. Ocho. Oceans Ocho? Oceans Ocho? Oceans Ocho. Y- yeah. Um, eight. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be directed it's called, by... It's called Oceans Eight. Yeah. Well, I know, but... What's next? Oceans and Weather? I don't know. But... Uh, so, uh, Steven Soderbergh's producing it. Gary Ross is directing it. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Weintraub apparently had input in prior to his, prior to his uh, unfortunate death last year. Mm. But yeah, Jeff Lawrence is busy. Oh, apparently, they are toying with the idea of having George Clooney cameo as Danny Ocean to establish Ooh. that this takes place in that in universe. The same world. Yeah. But That's the idea has been nixed for now, yet may come back later. Mm. I, I love that remake of Ocean's. I do. I think Ocean's Eleven is great fun. Yeah. I even like Don Cheadle's. Uh... Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> Pinch, right? It's like a nuclear warhead, <laughs> but without all, without all the collateral damage in there. <laughs> Gotta be a major Barney Rubble. You had Barney one Rubble. job. You had one job. <laughs> Moving on for awful Cockneys. Your Cockney is far better than mine because you. You have been to yourself many more times than I. I, I'll be honest. When I when I when you I genuinely want to do it, I go, go all uh, when I when I go all Tim Roth when I want to do it for, uh, for Tim Roth. Yeah, I go Tim Roth. He's my favourite Cockney voice to do. But, uh, uh, right, I I still have some more bits. Um, lay them on, me, I'll, Mr. I'll lay them on. on. Okay, Oh yeah, they got the rights back. They got they? the rights back. Marvel now have the rights to Namor. If you don't know who Namor is, he's essentially Aquaman. He's he's yeah, Marvel's, Marvel's, Marvel's Aquaman. He looks just like a man in his pants, to be honest. Yeah. He kind of looks like Donny Osmond in pants. A much younger, the much sleeker younger, sleeker Donny Osmond in Although, pants. Yeah, you know Donny Osmond still still rocking it. Like, must be about 60 now. Still with his yeah, mum's. Yeah, yeah, Good that. for him. <laughs> <laughs> mum's a big fan. <laughs> fair dues, fair dues. My mum's more of a Michael Bolton guy, but still. Oh, everyone likes Michael Bolton as well. Yeah, everyone gosh. likes Michael Bolton and the films of Guy Marshall. <laughs> That's what we've, <laughs> we've decided Don't, this week. My mum's favourite thing is a Nicholas Sparks adaptation. That's, oh, really? Yeah, that, that's how you my silence my mum for an evening. But yeah, Marvel got the rights to Namor. Whether we'll see him for Infinity War, I don't think so. I don't but think maybe for Phase Four, maybe that could maybe, be. Maybe, maybe that's the thing. Because yeah. Atlantis, it does exist in the MCU. They have established. That. They have established. It's like being on a map. Yeah. Can yeah. I can I drop one on you? That's not actually news. It's just something an actor has said. And Go on. I, these are always my favourite. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Go on. There is quite a popular cult TV actor of the moment who's on quite a high-profile series. Norman Reedus. You just looked it up, didn't you? You just did it. I didn't look it up, but I was just... That was a guess. That was a guess. Yeah, Norman Reedus. Did you actually just guess that out of blue? Yeah, it was. Norman Reedus has turned around and said, hell yeah, not actually said, he dropped the F-bomb, but he's actually said, hell yeah, to Uh. Ghost Rider. Now, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Look at at the reaction on your face. I would kill... How did I not... Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Imagine Ghost Rider versus Punisher now. Do you know what I'm? I'm I'm, re- I'm doing all like the Marvel Knights Netflix series, but with people from Walking Dead. Hmm. You could easily what What was the name of Lady with with the sword? Michonne. Yeah, just do like a Lady Blade. <laughs> lady Blade. Lady Blade. Don't there, call it lady there, blade is, there is a Lady Blade now. Um, the new Blade is Blade's daughter. 
Okay. So that that actually is a thing. Oh, there is, uh, and there was a rumor. You could that do that. Was... You could do that. Now, now, now we're looking we've, at it. We've got Punisher. Yeah, why not? Cool. I, I don't see why not. Cool. Uh, Mackenzie Davis. Yes, we like her. We like her a lot. She's joining yeah. an upcoming film that's going to be big news. Is is she going to play a completely unbelievable Mal- uh, NASA scientist again? Uh, Namor. She's going to be Namor. <laughs> <laughs> She uh, is uh, just joined the cast of Blade Runner too. Yes, I heard that's this. cool. Um, yeah, I, I can, really I like can see it. She has, she's got the poise, I think. Yeah, for, for that for that world mm. because I think you need a certain stature. It's like Robin Wright when Robin Wright was announced as joining it. Yeah. You're like, yes, do you know what? Because I can see that sort of like you could be made of glass style veneer that you you, you could have. <laughs> I think in just Blade seeing Runner. her in House of Cards. Yes, yeah, the way that she kind of holds herself. She terrifies me in House of Cards. She really terrifies but, me, but in the sexiest of ways. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's, how it what's, is. What's the name? And I've forgotten the name. Who? Um, Robin Wright in House of Cards. Oh, Finley Underwood, name. Claire Underwood. Claire, yeah, of Claire Underwood. Because yeah. yeah. she's got that brilliant line in the, in the third season. Do you ever regret uh, not having kids? Do you ever regret having them? <laughs> Which I think is is one of the finest moments in she's TV so drama good. this last year. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that cast is coming together. It really House is. House of Ford, Ryan Gosling, Robin Wright, uh, Dave Bautista. Who was the other one recently? No, it wasn't Alicia Vikander. Who was it? Uh, Carla Jury. Um, yeah. Sylvia, I can't pronounce her surname. No, you've got a good list there. Can I pass yeah, your course, list a second? Who was it I was looking at? Bruce away. Oh, no, it was Anna Diarmas that I was excited oh, right. about. Where, where do I know her from? She starred in that awful Keanu Reeves movie Exposed recently. She was also. <laughs> oh, she's yeah. the she's the blonde oh, one. Dear. She's the blonde one in uh, Knock Knock. Yes. 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 She's the blonde one. The brunette one is uh, Eli, uh, Eli Roth's wife. So, right. Yeah. 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 Who's in Green Inferno? Cool. Apparently, we're getting a Green Inferno too. By the way. Uh, great. I didn't ask for it. No. I mean, I like the Green Inferno. I didn't mind it. Uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was one of Eli Roth's better films. That's not saying a lot, is it? Well, it's it's like saying you have a favourite tropical disease. You know. <laughs> what is your favourite tropical disease? Now that you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> you got one. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I haven't quite done the research you've on not, this one. You've not narrowed down the top five. I'm not really. I feel like I feel like I need to, you know, <laughs> gestate on it more. I think. Yeah. But, One last so. piece of news, and then I am good to go. Okay. Uh, we have uh, loose filming dates for Ragnarok. Ragnarok? Yeah. Okay. I didn't mean to have so much Marvel news. It's just happened. Well, that's the beauty of Marvel. They always they always keep you guessing with uh, yeah. an abundance of news when you least expect it. Mm. Um, so it's going to be starting, uh, I don't know if it's principal or just like pre-stuff, but uh, on uh, 4th of July, on Independence Day, Ooh, nice. in uh, in Australia, in Brisbane. Excellent. And I think that's where most of it is going to be filmed, which is pretty cool. Can I drop a weird bit of trivia on you that Do I it. don't think anyone seems to have considered? Drop you know the like you, know, you know the Brexit vote? Uh, yeah, it's coming up. Yeah. It is coming up. It, it's, it's Apparently it's popular. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was amused to find out that the actual day of the voting is the same day as the release date of Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, is it really? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't ask for better marketing. You could not ask for it. I wonder how many people Uh, are going to mistake the two. (laughs) Can I have one ticket for... Oh, wait. (laughs) Go in and vote at the box office. (laughs) Oh, still work at cinema for that. Oh, yeah. That's going to be terrific. uh, Have, have, Have you seen the Empire cover with Jeff Goldblum? 
Yes, I have only got an alien wrapping his uh, yeah, arm around. Yeah, but he's, he's his holding neck. a tentacle in like the most seductive Jeff Goldblum way. Did you know he's the uh, you know the, he's the current Omaze campaign? Did you know this? Oh no, I did not. I mean, you donate um, to Omaze. Omaze great, yeah. You donate to Omaze, the charity. It's for a different cause every time, and they work with big name stars, and you usually get to spend time with the star. Yeah, you Jeff like Goldblum is the one for Independence Day. You so get good. to go to New York and hang out with Jeff Goldblum. I think that's worth a tenner. For the chance to win, though, can you still do that? Can you still put it on? Is it? Yeah. It's, it's not ended. Oh, it's doing, not ended. You I'm, can still do it. I'm doing it right now. Go on, go on omaze.com now. Yeah, and you can pay your tenner to I enter kinda, the draw. I kind of wish that you didn't uh, just broadcast it, so now everyone else is going to do it. And you're going <laughs> to ruin my chances. <laughs> Should have just told me in in private. Well, I've entered nearly every Marvel one going, so and to to no avail. To you no and, avail. You, you and RDJ. And I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not BFFs. Although yet. I was amused that he turned up on. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. It might have been Jimmy Kimmel. With, who, are we, who are we talking about? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. turned RJ, up on Jimmy yeah, yeah. Kimmel with his winners from his Omaze campaign. Yes. He actually took them along as yeah. part of the night out they were having. He said, oh, let me just stop by the Jimmy Kimmel show and wore the Omaze t-shirt and his, his winners were in the audience. So That's pretty cool. And I, I think he said, we're going out for pizza after this, then we're going to go to my place and watch uh, Civil War. Which I thought, that was great. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. But And also, who wouldn't want to see Civil War again anyway? But, uh, yeah. yeah. Also, ten, 10 quid for a ticket to see Civil War isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just even better if it includes like, yeah. hotels, flights, ten, meeting, one ten of the quid for, stars 10 in the quid for two people to see Civil War is that's a bargain a, a anyway. Bargain. You might as well do yeah. it every weekend. Yeah, might as well, yeah. Just do that on the off chance. It's, it's, it's cheaper than going to Cineworld. Yeah, but with, with <laughs> international flights and hotel accommodations and Robert Downey Jr. included. Or just... Uh, that's, that is quite the Groupon deal. That is, that is. I, I tell you something. That is, that's that's a voucher cloud card. That's a voucher cloud level offer. That is, yeah. Not even Groupon. That's voucher cloud. Voucher Premium cloud. spectrum. Mm. But uh, on which note, here it is. Your moment of cage. Don't make Michael grow up here. This isn't a beach town anymore. It's a sewer. But it's my sewer, Jiminy, and I love it. I kick around about six square blocks. Everybody knows me. I got the whole town wired. Someday, if I manage to get my face on TV a few times, maybe I'll run for mayor or something. But that's as far as I. I want to go because I was made for this sewer, baby, and I am the king! <laughs>